Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. The reading today is from Luke chapter 15, verses 25 to 32. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This reading comes from Jonah, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people, who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Amen. You may be seated.
I should be good? There we go. Every time I see that guy, just lean his head over. Are you sure, God? What are you trying to tell me today? I think I've done that more than a, than a few times with God. I say, are you sure? This is where you want me to go? All right. I encourage you to have your bulletins handy. In there, you're going to have your compass guides. You're going to have your place that you can take notes, place that you can jot down that little thing that the Spirit is nudging you with this morning because I trust that the Spirit of our Lord will nudge you this morning uh, and give you a little bit of insight into, into what God is calling you to. I also encourage you that if, if you have a question and you want to submit that at any point in time, my phone number is in the bulletin. You can text me a question during the service. I don't know that I'll actually get to it yet, and I'm still working on the one that Dave gave me a couple of weeks ago because uh, he gave me a really good one. Uh, so hopefully I'll, I'll bring that to you pretty quick. But uh, if you have one, just send it in. Uh, I am certainly try to work that out. But uh, I'd ask that you would pray with me as we begin. Gracious and almighty God, We've come striving to hear your word. And we hear scripture read to us and, and now we look for understanding. And so God, I ask that you, would, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to truly understand your word for us today. And God, that the words that I speak would no longer be mine, but they would be your words for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've been reflecting on this incredible story of Jonah... So many things have come to mind, and I hope the same has been true for all of you as well. Maybe you've heard the story in a different light, saw details that, that maybe you haven't seen before, or maybe that God spoke directly to your heart with this very familiar story. I mean, I don't know about you, but there are times when I look at familiar passages of Scripture thinking that I know what it says or what it means, only to be blindsided by the grace of God. Ever been blindsided with a two-by-four grace of God? <laughs> Given us a new revelation, a new understanding of what the words are saying. I had not put Jonah side by side with the prodigal son. But to see the similarities between Jonah and the two sons, as well as hearing God as the loving father again, was truly enlightening. Jonah, like the younger son, doesn't want to follow the father's household rules anymore and decides he knows better how to live his life. Runs away from his father and family only, return, only to return again when God's grace reaches out to him. But then again, Jonah is like the elder son, not wanting to include everyone in God's great salvation plan. He wanted to exclude the Ninevites, whereas the elder son didn't want the younger brother back into the good graces of the family again. I guess we could really say that Jonah is a prodigal prophet. I think this points to the reason why we tell stories. Jesus taught in parables, like the prodigal son. And the Old Testament writers included this story, which has a good probability of being in an allegory or a parable of sorts in order to teach an important lesson. 
actually to teach multiple lessons uh, we found out during this series. Uh, we've also heard, we've heard so much from this story, but yet there is one last chapter. It is, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. <laughs> this is the part that we almost never hear of in our Sunday school classes. We hear about Jonah running from God. We hear about sailors tossing him overboard, a big fish swallowing him up, getting spit out on shore, and finally Jonah going to Nineveh to preach what God wanted him to do all along. And the people repent and are saved, at least for a little while. But what happens next is so strange. After preaching and witnessing what God's grace can do for people, you would think Jonah would be ecstatic. You would think he would be happy that God called him to this task. And now that it was complete, Jonah would celebrate. Maybe he would join in the fireworks display that we saw earlier. But no. Jonah left town. Ticked off because he still didn't want the Ninevites saved. He couldn't get past it. You remember just hearing just a few moments ago, he was sitting outside the town waiting to see what would happen, hoping that God might actually come through and wipe him out. He just let his anger rage within him, which brings up an initial question. Is it okay to be angry? Is it okay to be angry? I mean, there's, there's plenty of scripture passages that talk about anger. And you probably know some of them. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Timothy reminds us that we should... That we should lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. And the psalmist writes, give up your anger. Abandon your wrath. Do not be provoked. It only brings harm. So as we hear these passages, it certainly points towards eliminating anger from our lives. But how hard is that? How hard is it to eliminate anger from your life? I mean, at any number of times during the day, we find ourselves getting angry with other people and situations, whether it's a family member who doesn't think like you, a co-worker that seems to undermine you every chance they get, that car that just split the two lanes on Randall Road, or even that barista who forgot that second shot of espresso that you need to get through the morning. I mean, we're faced with all kinds of opportunities to get angry throughout the day. However, there are other passages in Scripture. James 1, verse 19 says, Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Or Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Notice in those two passages, it does not say that you shouldn't 
get angry. There are certain times and places that it is good to be angry. Jesus was angry from time to time. I do vaguely remember him flipping tables over in a holy anger. Dennis Prager wrote a book called Happiness is a Serious Problem. And so hear me out on this. In this book, he talks about a conversation he had with a deeply religious man who told him he had issues with not being happy enough. He said, the unhappy Christians reflect poorly on their religion and on their creator. The questions became, if their faith was so impressive, why weren't they happier? Two possible reasons, he said. Either they were not practicing their faith correctly, or they were practicing their faith correctly, and the religion itself is not conducive to happiness. Most would think the latter. He said that unhappy religious people should therefore think about how important being happy is, if not for themselves, then for the sake of their religion. Unhappy or angry religious people provide more persuasive arguments for atheism and secularism than do all the arguments of the atheists. Maybe you agree with that thought, but I'm not sure that I do. I mean, as we've just heard, at times it is okay to be angry or upset. It's all right to not be happy all the time. I think that's one of the the problems of mainline Christianity. It seems like we put a lot of pressure on people to be happy. What was that? Don't worry. Be happy. Thanks, Bobby McFerrin. (laughs) We come to church and people ask, how are you doing? And the usual, usual response is what? I'm good. Everything's fine. It's all good even if it's not. Matthew West uh, wrote a song called Truth Be Told. I'm working on it, so trying to get there. That one's a little difficult, but it's, it talks about this. It talks about, you know, truth be told, to say, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. Hey, yeah, I'm fine, but I'm really not. And it's okay. It's okay to not be. I mean, when do we actually allow ourselves to admit that it's okay to not be Okay. This might be also one of the main reasons why people think the church is hypocritical. It's just a building full of people trying to portray a life that they think they should live. Never truly offering to open up. Afraid of what others might think about themselves. I share a story about a, uh, a member uh, who has since passed uh, from the, uh, my first appointment in Lanark. I shared a, l- a little bit about this in a, in a message, and he approached me afterwards, and he said, do you really believe this? Because he said, I, I had mentioned that I said, if, if I had somebody that came up to me before worship, and I asked him, I said, hey, how you doing? And I said, you know what? I'm having a really crappy day, and I need to talk to somebody. And I said, you know what? Worship can get started. Let's go talk. Because that's that is important. And he tested me on it one morning because he walked by and I said, hey, how are you doing today? And he goes, Pastor, I, it's not a good morning. Can we talk? I was like, 
absolutely, hang on. And they said, hey, can you make sure that things get started up there? And then we went to walk into my office, and as soon as we got into my office, he goes, good. I said, what's going on? He goes, actually, I'm fine. (laughs) I said, you're fine? He goes, I just wanted to make it. By the way, this was like a few weeks after we had this conversation. He said, I just wanted to make sure that you weren't just saying something, that you really meant what (laughs) what you said. I said, yeah. When does, it, when does it okay to say that you're not okay? I mean, really, when we're in this building, when we gather together as a, as a family, this should be the time that when somebody asks how you're doing, you should be able to be open and honest with people. And say, I really need somebody to pray with me. I really need to be open. And I hope you can do that. So, being afraid of what others might think of ourselves. Anger is one of those, those hot, top and, hot button topics. And I think that we need to be able to express our anger in healthy ways. It's okay to be angry. We just need to be sure that we're aware of the difference between good and bad anger. And I think the difference is the source behind the anger. To get a glimpse of what I'm talking about, we really don't have to look too much further than our good old friend Jonah. I remember having a conversation with someone who told me that Jonah really sounds like a great big whiny butt. (laughs) Hearing that story over and over again certainly sounds like it. He gets angry at a few different things, and we've already talked about his anger towards Nineveh and the enemies there. We've also talked about Jonah's anger with God, but in our passage this morning, we find that Jonah gets angry at a plant, and even more so at this little worm that eats away at the plant. And so just so that we're on the same page, Jonah is actually not really angry with the plant or even at Nineveh. He's actually angry at God. I mean, have you ever been angry at God? Yeah, it's really okay. I've said many times that God would rather have you angry with him and even yell at God than to walk away. I know my God is a big God. He could take it. Go ahead, yell, scream, let it out. It is better that you continue talking or screaming than to just shut God out and walk away. But we got to see that, that in this anger, Jonah is acknowledging God. He is admitting God's participation in all things. With Nineveh, Jonah is angry about God not destroying them. With the plant... He's angry that God provided a worm to destroy the plant. Again, God is involved in all things. And Jonah's anger is directed toward God, misguided as it may be. On a side note, I told you last week that I would tell you about grace found within a worm. So the story we heard this morning that Jonah is sitting outside the town ground sweating away in the heat when a wonderful plant appeared. Obviously, God provided the plant to offer shade and at least a little relief from the heat. It was good. The shade felt nice, and maybe there was even a little breeze to help cool him down. Enter the worm. The worm eats away at the root, causing the plant to die, exposing exposing Jonah to the hot sun once again. How can there be grace in that? This just seems like a cruel joke on God's behalf. Why would God do this? 
Hear this passage from Romans, chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. If Jonah wants to grow in his faith and knowledge of God, he will need to grow. And that growth sometimes comes through sufferings, through trials and pain This is what Paul is saying to the church in Rome, that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces perseverance. Perseverance produces hope. Hope is what we have in faith. God offers a worm to eat away at the plant so that Jonah will have to work through sufferings in order to increase his faith. God is taking away the plant that Jonah loves so much so that Jonah will grow God is telling Jonah to trust in him, not all the things of the world. Maybe we need to hear the story today, that story of grace in a worm. Trust God more. Okay, with the dying of the plant, Jonah has a crisis of the heart, a storm of the heart per se. His anger rises once more, and God confronts him with it. Remember the way the book of Jonah ends? Uh, And this is actually the ESV translation. Uh, Mine says, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also so much cattle? Jonah didn't see how God wanted to care for all people. He only cared for those whom he thought should receive the grace of God. Jonah had no compassion for the people of Nineveh, no compassion for the plant, and no compassion for the worm. God, however, did have compassion on all of them, the sailors, the Ninevites, the plant, the worm, and even Jonah. This is a lesson for us today. I think God is calling us to have compassion on all people, regardless of what they look like, how they act, what their social status is. It is World Communion Sunday, a day where we celebrate this wonderful meal, acknowledging that we are all connected with the great church universal across this globe This is the table that we gather at to celebrate the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit working in all of us. This is where the story of Jonah comes together and enlightens us to what World Communion Sunday is all about. About not excluding any particular person, any particular group of people but allowing all to come to the table. As I have said many, many times, 
that this is not my table. (laughs) This is not your table. This is God's table. And God welcomes all to receive the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at this table. And so as you prepare for communion this morning, maybe we reflect on this question. As we think of Jonah and the storm that he had in his heart, of how he felt about other people, what storm in your heart do you need to calm as you come forward for communion? What storm is raging in your heart this morning that you want God to help you calm that storm down so that you can approach this table receiving the grace of God with an open and clean heart, with fresh eyes? What storm do you need? Will you pray with me? God, we've heard your message, this wonderful story of Jonah. And we see this story as as our story. God, we know that, that we have wanted to exclude people in the past. That we have thought that that we knew better. God, we thought we knew who was in and who was out. But God, this story reminds us that that only you know who is in and who is out. And God, your grace reaches beyond anything that we could ever imagine. God, we are thankful that, that we, along with everyone else, are never too far to receive your grace. And so God, as we as we ready our hearts to receive your grace at this table. God, we long to have the storms calmed, the ones that are raging within us. And help us to truly approach your throne with a pure and clean heart. God, we ask this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold for my being absolute sway. Have thine own way, Lord. Is this not what God's message was to Jonah? It's God's way. God's will, God's word reaching out to all of his people. No matter where we come from or who we are, God's message of hope, grace, and love is for all of us. Not only in this building, but all of those outside these walls. And that is why we go and we share. We share that message of hope, grace, and love to all those around us. And so go from this place, knowing that God calls you to share, knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you, and it goes with you always. Amen.